It's another Tuesday evening on 97.3 City FM. And we are going to be talking artificial intelligence on the show. Don't worry, my voice and my script is not generated by artificial intelligence. It is way more real than you actually think. This is City Trends. My name is Philip Sean. City Trends is sponsored by ALX. Yes, indeed, the job market is changing. One in every three jobs is tech-related. Are you sure you are ready for the workforce of the future? Remote work allows companies to tap into the very best talent worldwide with a larger talent pool to choose from. Are you a part of that conversation? Technology is shaping the workforce of the future. Are you ready? If you are looking for a career change or you just want to get into the tech space, this might be the perfect time to join ALX. ALX is an African leadership group initiative that seeks to create a diverse pool of talent in the technology sector. This is an opportunity to learn in-demand skills in the changing job market. ALX provides added value in training programs, mentorship, and networking. Apply today, right now, and get started on your dream career. Visit alxafrica.com. That is alxafrica.com to register today. And guess what? We have a very soft spot for the female applicants. So make sure you get those applications in. Today, we are talking about artificial intelligence. Yes, AI, 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 chat, GPT, etc., etc. Well, we're trying to make sense of it and trying to give you a better perspective on what exactly is happening in Ghana and the people who are at the forefront of the AI conversation. We have a solution as well that we might be jumping into, so make sure you stay tuned in. You can be a part of the show on our WhatsApp and Telegram number 0549-986-996. Let's jump straight into the show. We're going to start off with an introduction of our guest for today. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-9986-996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. So, my name is Timothy. I have a background in software engineering and product management, and I have a lot of interest in AI and machine learning. Currently, I'm the CEO of Copianto, which is a Ghana-based AI copy generation platform. Well, Tim, let, let's start off, first of all, with giving us a basic understanding of what this whole artificial intelligence AI thing is all about. People, it's, it's been a hot topic for conversation globally, and I'm sure a lot of businesses in Ghana will be interested to understand what exactly it is and how it's going to impact their work. Um, you know, the interesting thing is that AI is something that has been there for long, and AI has been a part of our daily life since, 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 like, if you take traffic lights. But except that lately, AI is becoming more intelligent, just like artificial intelligence means. So in short, we can say that AI or artificial intelligence is when a computer has the ability to do some things that typically human beings should be able to do, like raising and have... Um, the ability to predict some things and, you know, think like a human being. That's, in short, what AI is. Is that why sometimes it seems so scary for a lot of people when they think about the fact that this is a machine? Why are we making a machine think like a human being? Exactly. You know, um, a lot of people fear AI and they fear AI because they feel like AI might one day become so... Um, powerful and intelligent to overtake people and they think it's dangerous. Is it founded though? The fears that people have, is it, is it founded? Is it something that has weight or is just based on imagination and imagination only? Um, I think for the most part, I would say most of it come from, um, comes from science fiction. You know, people watch too much movies. And then also, um, it, it's, it's not like, uh, we know we have types of AIs and then the capabilities. So the more extreme the AI gets, the more intelligent it can get. And the more intelligent it gets, then probably we have something to worry. But I don't think it's something that we should really worry about. The, the, the thing you raise about types and you know variations, can you give us a sense of what these types of AI are and what these variations that you speak of? Because 
you know, you talked about the extreme, and I'm just wondering if what we are seeing, if what we are seeing is not extreme, I wonder what the extreme bit actually even looks like. So what are these types and variations that you, you speak about? Right. So um, we can just generally say there are four types of AI. So um, we have the reactive machines, which is basically something or a computer or a software that reacts to something. So um, like you can take game that you play with a computer. It just reacts to the kind of input that you're also making. That's a reactive computer. It's not so smart. And then there's the limited uh, memory computers um, where we can talk about self-driving cars. So it's trained on some sort of knowledge and they can remember past um, memory. Like example, it knows what an accident is. So it's able to avoid stuff like that. And then uh, maybe the third one, we can talk about theory of mind where a computer can sort of convince you to feel like you are talking to a human being, like a chatbot. And then the very last one is the self-aware type of AI, which is the one that I think is very extreme and people fear the most. Yeah. So is that the one that we are interacting with more and more these days? Um, so I think we are getting there. Um, the one we are interacting with is the one that basically is able to convince you that, okay, you are talking to another um, human being that's able to understand you, even though it's just a computer. But I think it's not something we really should fear. Well, I mean, everybody has their own degrees of appreciation of what fear is. So we'll leave them to, based on your understanding that you've given us. Now, are there practical examples? I know you talked about, for example, street lights and things like that. Walk us through some of the practical, everyday examples of artificial intelligence that we might be interacting with that we probably don't even know you know, are examples of this. Oh, okay. So I think the most basic ones is um, from time. You know how you play and one single player games, like those computer games, that's AI in play. Traffic lights, like we already mentioned. And then um, I think if you have an iPhone, you have Siri. That's a type of AI that you always interact with. So there are types of AI and they are designed to do specific things and assist to it some task. Yeah. See, I mean, that, that's that's very practical. And I'm guessing people have been using these for so long, that, but it just hasn't registered that this is what you are dealing with exactly. But when, when you sit back and you look at this recent surge in interest, you know, from, from a digital um, um, person's point of view like yourself, you know, what do you make of this recent upsurge in interest in artificial intelligence and what do you think it means for the generality of the community that we live in? Um, so the interesting thing is that um, if you look or if you consider five years ago, the way people predicted AI would really um, develop, I think it's, it turned out very differently. The reason why I say that is that people really thought AI would disrupt industries like maybe industries, um, human power, like very extreme industries like uh, robotics and all that, we would see a lot of that. We've seen um, some type of robots in, in the system, but lately what we see rather is that AI disrupting the creative space, which is something that people thought would be the last part of um, spaces or um, field that AI would disrupt. But I think it's because of the sudden like um, progress that we've been able to see in a very short time in AI. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, yes, people did predict that it would take a while, but I mean, the, the reality is if you give enough information to a machine and you put certain measures in place, you will be surprised probably by what, what you get. But one of the things that often, often comes up is just how quickly, or at least it seems quick, the level of adoption, even um, from the generality of you know, society. Does it surprise you? Um, I think... I'm not really surprised um, because from time, you know, companies and organizations like Google, you know, IBM, all these people, they've been doing a lot of research, even though it's not something that we've seen. It's things that there's been a lot of research and advancement in it, except that it's just now that we are seeing the research and all this advancement come into play in our daily activities. You know, there are a lot of AI used in healthcare and all that, but it's not mainstream like this, um, the way we are seeing it right now, where anybody can actually have access to it. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, let's let's come to Ghana. And, and are there any practical examples of application of AI in Ghana, any particular sectors that, from where you sit, you've observed, have, you know, been impacted heavily um, by, by AI? 
Um, in terms of maybe first we can start with the potential. Um, in terms of potential, we can say that if you look at a space like agriculture, um, Ghana is a very um, agriculture um, heavily uh, yeah, yeah. agri-focused agri um, sector. So um, I've seen, I think I maybe a la somewhere last year, I saw an app that um, you just can maybe your plant and then it's going to tell you what the, the problem with the plant is. You scan the plant. Exactly. And <laughs> what happens? Yeah, like the leaf. And then it's going to tell you like um, what sort of, you know, sometimes um, some issues with the plants. I don't know what they call it, but on the leaf, you can see maybe it's, not, it's brown instead of being green. So the AI app can actually tell you that, okay, this is what the cause could be. And these are probably the medications or things that you should apply, maybe some specific fertilizer and all that. Those are um, real practical cases that could really mm -hmm. help our country grow. In terms of other applications that I've seen, I've seen um, another company, it's called Chestify AI, and what they do is that in the healthcare space, you take a picture of an x-ray, and then it's going to scan it and then tell you a lot of um, detail about what you are seeing. And uh, in the educational space too, I think I've seen another one called um, Kwame AI, and what it does is that it helps students um, learn past questions like BC and all that. I think that's great. And then of course, there's Copianto that helps you create any type of content. So there's a lot of potential. And of course, I'm seeing some um, use cases that we are currently doing. So happy to see more. We also see a lot of, you know, um, financial institutions also having, you know, meet Kwame, meet this, meet that. Are these practical examples of AI in application? Yes, yes, yes. I think those are very practical as well. And those are also types of AI. So, and those are the kind of AI that we spoke about that can convince you to make you feel like you are talking to somebody called Kwame or Abena that can assist you with a problem. And they come in the form of a chatbot, you know. Yeah, so those are also some of the practical examples. I see. I see. One, on, one of the things that we've always known about computers is rubbish and rubbish out, really. You know, and does that mean that, and <laughs> I mean, this question is on two levels. First of all, does it mean that whatever we put into the learning mechanism of the artificial intelligence is what we eventually get? And the second part of the question is, who is monitoring what is the right kind of information to be given to the, the, the machine to be able to, for us to be able to, you know, get this information from? Yeah, so I think this is a very good question. And the reason why it's a good question is that this is something that can actually um, determine what sort of policies and policing comes with AI. Mm -hmm. So the first one with, um, does it mean wherever we feed it? Yeah, so that's why we tend to call it machine learning. It's basically the ability of a computer to learn on its own based on some data that we fed it. Mm -hmm. Like the um, example um, where you can have an AI analyze a number of cancer cases and um, being it maybe the some scans that has been done and all that and based on that it can know that okay um if i follow this pattern whenever i see this these are cancer issues exactly so a lot of learning has to be done correctly and then the one that you said who is training this um so those are some and of the things and policing the exactly exactly because those are some um Whoever is money, monitoring, policing it, determines the kind of content that it, it comes with. So those are some of the backlashes we are seeing with um, this recent um, chat GPT and all those sort of mm -hmm. things because people feel like the input has been tailored to the person that sort of developed it. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and what are the implications for, for, for us, for example, on the African continent and in Ghana, you know, where, I mean, to what extent, for example, are we even... Um, monitoring what sort of information is going into the onto these platforms, how these bits of information are curated over time. If I am looking for something Ghanaian specific, am I getting? You know how how are we going about ensuring that that local context, that Ghanaian context, that African context, you know, is is baked into the very fabric of the artificial intelligence that we we are interacting with. Exactly. So um, I think this is a good one and would be a good step for us to start looking into. Um, I always say that when you take something like even common stock photos, sometimes finding stock photo on um, people of color is very difficult. Now it's getting better. It's just because um, we as Africans probably didn't put in so much effort to provide stock photos of people of color. 
so what we can do um, to correct something like this is we really need to get into that space um, and this this is the main reason why companies like um, Copianto we are really getting into that space because we want to provide Africa focused and Africa centered things that people in our space can relate to it right and then at least it, it makes sense to us and then we find some value in it mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. now someone is listening probably you know owns a business has been bombarded with this tech solution that tech solution what kind of benefits are there for businesses to enjoy if they, for want of a better phrase, jump on the AI bandwagon? Are there any benefits that they can readily, you know, count? Because in order for a lot of businesses to make certain decisions to jump on these things, they need to know, okay, to give me this, to give me that, to give me that. Are there any realistic, you know, benefits or Tangible, sorry, tangible is the word I was looking for. Tangible benefits that you can speak to that businesses can um, benefit from. Yeah, so um, there are a lot of things that AI can do. And when we say AI, maybe someone is thinking it has to be something really big or your organization. Exactly. <laughs> or your, your organization needs to be very big before you can use something like that. Nah, there are really like simple things that you can do, like data analysis, right? Let's say you send a lot of emails or you receive a lot of um, emails or you do a lot of customer support. You can just simply implement an AI that just goes through all the messages that you are receiving and then um, can support your customers, can automatically respond to them, and can help them to find responses to their queries, right? So that you don't actually have to be doing that manual work, always responding to something. Mm -hmm. So the goal of AI really is supposed to help you be more efficient. And there are a lot of ways that people can do that. And I think organizations should really um, take advantage of this. And let's not think that it's something that um, you need to have a lot of investment, you need to be a very big company, and you need to buy a big computer. Now, nah, there are a lot of applications out there that are free, that you can potentially just get started with, and has a lot of value. So that's on the side of the companies. What about the side of technology entrepreneurs starting on startups and things like that? You, what are some of the things that they should start thinking through when it comes to, the, to, the, to, to this new and I wouldn't say new, this, this um, coming of age stage, you know, of, of artificial intelligence. Yeah, so um, for technology entrepreneurs, I would say that there are a lot of, um, like we discussed, potential and spaces that could be disrupted from healthcare to um, agriculture, you know, and banking, finance, all those sorts of things, even education. There are a lot of things that could be done to enhance the way people do things currently. So I think people should start looking into the potential that's there and what can we do to make things easy when it comes to policy making, decision making and things that would help us move forward as a country and as a continent here yeah, than just using these applications all the time. We should not just be consumers but also people that partake in the development of things like this. And it's, it's that point that I find really interesting. And listeners, we, we are having a conversation on, on City Trends um, this evening around Artificial intelligence, AI, what does it mean for you and me? What does it mean for us as a community, as a continent, you know? Now, clearly, Tim, from what you're saying, there is a component of this that needs some level of supervision, some level of access control. A lot of entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope right on a daily basis you know trying to start up a business that focuses on ai blah blah but there is there's someone who needs to be put, be thinking on a policy level you know government in this in this case thinking on a policy level thinking about what the next 10 years is going to look like what would you what would be your advice for people who are sitting in a position like that thinking about communities of people thinking about the continent thinking about what the potential of ai is for the continent and for example if you're in ghana for the people of ghana what should they be thinking about in terms of policy and the things that they need to put in place today to make sure that you know our collective futures are ensured in the future when it comes to these conversations 
Yeah, so um, you know something they always say about the European Union that they are the police of technology, you know, like every time they are suing Google, they are suing Apple, it's not just because they enjoy doing it, it's because they think about their citizens and they want the best for them. So I feel like um, in areas like countries like Ghana, maybe uh, leaders should also start looking into how this AI, how these technologies affect people, the kind of potential it has, and also, of course, the disadvantages um, when it comes to security impersonation and these things are going to be extremely easier now with the whole um, AI thing that we are seeing right now because it's become extremely available mm -hmm. so um, policies should be in place yes and then in terms of thinking ahead there should be um, programs that would really help people to go into spaces like this and to gain more knowledge I know there probably are and it must be deliberate from what you're saying. of course it's not like we are just doing one of those things one of things and then we are out of it just for publicity we really want to be intentional about it that okay if you really want to do something like this this is how we can support you and we are doing it because we see the potential in it not just for you me but for the future of uh, uh, like all of us right and then a generation to come that's that's interesting and i'm um, listening I, I do hope this conversation is is beneficial to you um if you have any questions please do share um, um on on our whatsapp on our whatsapp and telegram number zero five four nine nine eight six nine nine six tim there is a genuine fear of ai taking over jobs like it might be mistaken fear it might be whatever anyone would choose to call it but it's a genuine concern for a lot of people. How fun, how, how, how true is this fear? And should we be afraid of artificial intelligence taking over people's jobs? Um, I think uh, the short answer would be no. Um, the reason why I would say that is, um, you see, humans, we are really smart and intelligent, sometimes more than we actually think. Mm -hmm. And we feel like computer, a, a computer could actually learn to be so much better than us. Mm -hmm. there, there are some extent to which computers can learn, but they can't really learn like us. But um, there are some things that computers would um, make extremely easy now, AI, like m mundane tasks um, tasks and activities that you do all the time. Like things that you have to do, like example, every time I have to go through some Excel sheet to collect some data, to analyze some data and all that, these are things that AI potentially could do within seconds. And the goal of AI is not to replace people. I think that is the, the approach that we should be looking at, at things from. It's supposed to help us be efficient. If I am going to spend two hours going through a document and an AI can summarize it for me um, within maybe two minutes or a few seconds, and because of that, it's going to help me be more productive. I think that sounds really exciting. However, the, the kind of AI that people fear the most is the self-aware AI, the AI that knows you know, um, that it's there and all those sort of things. And in future, this is very funny and it's very, um, maybe just a science fiction thing, but we are going to see people advocating for AI to have right to vote, to do things because they have feelings and, you know, but this, are, this is like, it's not something that is realistic. Is it, yeah, is, that's what I wanted to ask. Is it a realistic future to envision? It depends on how we look at it. How should we look at it? The way we should look at it right now is, um, I'm sure if you, maybe 500 years ago, uh, maybe when, if people saw cars, they'll be like, it's very dangerous, and I don't think anybody wants to sit in a car. But today, um, it's not like cars, people don't get accidents. It happens, but with a lot of um, supervision, policing, and a lot of training, and it's getting better. So it's the same way. Whenever there's a new technology, there's good fear. And then I think it's something that we should look at it from this angle that it's supposed to enhance the way we do things. And we are going to live hand in hand with AI and then uh, do things for us, right? Yeah. Like just like how we have Siri and Siri hasn't killed or taken anybody's job yet. <laughs> That's an interesting one. People talk about the fact that the especially for the content I shouldn't say content aware, but you know, the, the artificial intelligence that is aware of its existence the fact that yes it might be steeped in a lot of science fiction movies and you know visual content and material but there is a genuine fear of them being more powerful than humans and i'm just wondering 
what your thoughts and your take is on that. Yeah, so I think this brings us back to who is training this AI. What are we telling this AI? And how are we policing the AI? So AI should have restrictions, you know, and those are some of the conversations that people have. What should the the freedom for AI look like and what sort of restrictions should be there? So um, I think in developing AI, of course, there are a lot of policies. You can't just wake up and do something. There are, it's just like when you are doing a phone and there are some standards that you should meet so that it's not dangerous it doesn't just explode to kill somebody mm -hmm. the same way ai is actually designed to be friendly to people and all that yeah well listeners you're still tuned in to 97.3 city fm we're having a conversation around artificial intelligence and we're here with tim from copianto um who is giving and helping us to understand the better so tim tell me about copianto now um is it is it an example of an AI at, at, at work? Yes, so um, it's, it's an example of how AI can be um, applied or used. So um, Copianto AI is an AI platform, in short, that helps you to create any type of content that you can think of. Yep. So um, let's say you want to write an email, like I write a lot of emails, like today I've written maybe 10. I don't have to think about how to structure my email now. I use Copianto. I just tell it what I want to do. Maybe an email to Philip to schedule this interview. And then it just writes it for me and then I'm good. Yeah. Yes, just like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a teacher. I've given my students an essay. What you're saying is that the student is able to log on to the platform. This is just an example, by the way. Log on to the platform, put in the question, and Copianto would give them... Like, I, I want to understand if that is what you're saying. Yeah, I get you. So um, Copianto can do that, you see. But um, the goal of Copianto is not to, for example, make students lazy or make somebody not actually do work you know we've seen some people saying that okay then if i have this then i probably don't need my copywriter the the thing is that copianto is supposed to help you do the work that would have taken you a lot of time that you can be using to do something better right um instead of researching for hours you can use copianto to learn about a lot of things in a very short time to help you gain some knowledge that you can use that time rather to spend it on something more useful yeah. You, you talk, for example, about a copywriter and someone saying, okay, I don't need a copywriter anymore. Let's say we are an advertising agency and this is in front of us and I have to make a choice between Copianto and my copywriter that I want to employ. What is the argument for keeping the copywriter? Um, so the copywriter one is smart. The copywriter knows how people... Um, react to things, right? Um, even though computers are learning together, it will take a while. But what Copianto or AI can help you do is give you different perspectives that you can approach your ad from, right? Um, maybe this, this is another way you can put the ad, and this is how you can appeal to it. And then you, there are a lot of tweaks that you can do. So the goal, the number one goal, is to help you be more creative and think of other ways that you probably wouldn't have thought about it. And then after, you can actually put your own touch to it, and then it, it looks perfect. I'm a news editor. I want my journalist to write a story. Will, in, in a situation like that, if the journalist decides to use Copianto, how would they do it in such a way that they will still maintain that integrity of a human being's touch but then with the assistance of Copianto? Yeah, so um, there are a number of ways. So the first one is that the AI actually can write something that will look very much like a human wrote it. So let's say that um, the news editor that you spoke about, I'm actually professionally not a journalist, but let's say I decide to write an article today. I can use Copianto to write something great about healthcare and that looks really good and then makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. However, if I'm a professional journalist, I'm probably um, someone that has some experience in that field. So I can add a lot of um, other detail to it. And there are ways that I can tune the story to perfect it. Because Copianto has given me a head start. It has made my work really easy. 
otherwise i will now have to start researching on maybe something like malaria what exactly is malaria you know mm. those fundamentals mm. and it will take a lot of my time but copianto will really get me started easily and within a short time i can now put it exactly how i want it yeah so uh, i think one of my questions now is is this something done here in ghana does it have local context for example within from which it's working walk us through that that other side of it as well yeah so um currently some of the things that we are very keen on doing is um, a lot of localization right so providing local context um, so that when people generate something, it can understand what a Ghanaian thinks about something. Those are some of the ways. So, um, yes, Copianto was built and developed locally here. Um, so it has a lot of roots with Ghana. And so you can, yeah, think that's it. Now, what I also want to find out is from, from a security standpoint, computers are computers. There's no two ways about it. You know, and the, you know, the digital space is exactly what it is if someone has you know better training they could intercept information how secure is for example copianto is it secure would is, is there a fear that anyone should have because it's natural that people will have questions around security should anybody be worried about using copianto and even by that extension when you think about artificial intelligence broadly, are there questions to be asked about the data integrity of, of platforms that generally work with artificial intelligence? Um, okay, so that brings us back to the policy thing and then also um, standards. So when you design something like a car, you know, um, there are specific things that you should ensure that it has before it's safe for human consumption and um, so the same way when it comes to ai development and implementation there are policies and standards that you are supposed to meet and which are globally set so yes um copianto like any other ai platform actually uh, meets a lot of standards policies and there are a lot of things that you can do with the platform but there are also a lot of things that you cannot do with the platform um, just so that it protects my data your data and everyone's is safe yeah I'm not sure if this is a fair question to ask, but I'll ask anyway. There are global standards, but as we've come to see about human nature, it's not everybody who goes according to global standards or respects the global standards. There's so many examples of AI all over the place. So when someone pops up with a question on privacy, for example, it's a genuine concern because it's not everybody who... For example, if it's a business in Ghana, we'll go according to the global standards, especially because in Ghana, we don't really have a framework that sort of um, um, polices the use of artificial intelligence and, and things like that. For me, that's worrying. And I'm guessing for a lot of listeners, that's also worrying as well. You know, so from someone who is involved in this space, what are, what are some of the things that you would say to people who are listening you know, in terms of how they can continually protect themselves, especially when it comes to private information and, and things like that, when they are dealing with, you know, AI platforms generally. Yeah, so um, that's, that's a good one. And it's just like, you know, when you discuss like social media, then you have to talk about how people can protect themselves online. So I think it's just the general stuff, um, starting from not sharing your personal information. Like when I'm communicating with an AI, I don't want to share personal information, like maybe my password, my email, my phone number, you know, all these things are things that are personal and it shouldn't be shared. The only time I should interact with an AI and the only thing I should talk or discuss or converse with the AI about is the kind of thing I'm trying to do. If it's an email that I'm trying to write or it's some school assignment I'm trying to research, I think we, we should just um, stick to what it is designed for, exactly. See, well, not a lot of people like to do that, unfortunately. Um, and, and so it tends, it tends to be something else. Um, now, I, I just wanted to um, ask you about Copianto availability, how people can access it and, and things like that. 
Okay, so um, Copianto is available and you can use it online, um, whether you have your phone or your laptop. Anyway. anyway, so you just go to copianto.ai, you open your web browser. So your web browser is something like Safari or Google Chrome. Once you open it, and uh, you open where you type your URL and you do copianto.ai and you can just sign up. When you sign up, you'll be given, you get some credits that you can use the platform and then experience how it can help you. So are there any payments, for example, that need to be made or you just sign up and then just enjoy yourself? So we do have a free plan. So once you sign up, you'll be on the free plan, which gives you um, a limited number of credits that you can explore the platform and make the most out of it. But however, if you need more credits and one of the things that we learned in Ghana um, since we launched is that people want to buy things not always on subscription right so outside there you find people using subscription as a service platforms but here you can buy custom credits so let's say that um you need to do some research work or you need to write something and you need um some number of credits or points just so you can generate something you can just buy that you can use mobile money you can buy it in local currency and then you can just do that yeah and i'm guessing you can do this on mobile money yep um, so mobile money works anything whether you have a visa or mastercard that works as well well we are going to segue a little more into um artificial intelligence conversations and i just want to find out from you tim um what are some of i mean we've mentioned it but there are forays now into fashion into art you know a couple of weeks ago we saw we saw this boom of people um, putting their pictures into onto a platform and then it generates all these pictures like and now we are seeing AI in fashion it's becoming like a very hot topic today <laughs> I don't know from where you sit when you look at the global trends and all these applications you know which of these excite you the most and which ones disappoint you the, the the most um i think the first one that i would say is disappointing is people just jumping into something they probably don't know what um the outcome could be like um i've seen a lot of people using this one that converts your picture into an avatar basically what you are doing is that you are feeding the ai with your picture it's going to learn a lot about you that you probably don't even know where the data is going to end up with you see those are all machine learning and it's basically learning what human beings look like right and all these sort of things in the long run it will be really good for everybody but i would say I'll be more careful uploading my pictures into an app like that um, without um, maybe knowing exactly where it's going to end up or what the terms and policies look like. Because it looks like a lot of people just follow it for fashion and, you know, a couple of likes and things like that. But like you said, it's very, very key for you to look at the other side of it, which is the security implications of it. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to upload your picture just anywhere like that. Yes. And when it comes to fashion, um, it's a good one. It's, it helps people be more creative, right? Um, I think in future we would have less people. I mean, when I say less people, people spending less time thinking about how an ad should look like. Mm -hmm. We will be seeing AI designing shoes. We've already seen some of it, but mm -hmm. it's going to become a thing that there will be AI category of photos and brands and all those sort of things. So there, there's a long way to go, even though we've seen a lot of progress dramatically. Yeah. Well, so for those of you who are uploading, please, please, please be careful. But you, so for you, the most disappointing side of all of this is when people jump onto things that, you know, they probably don't understand fully. But which of the trends most excites you? you know is it the fashion bit of it or is it that great bit of it or is it the financial sector bit of it which one of them excites you and and why um the reason why i said that was disappointing is just you see a picture of your face is something that's private personal right so you don't want to just upload your picture anywhere i think anybody agrees with that and the one that is most exciting i, I think it would be good application like how can we actually solve a real problem with ai you know um, it's really good for us to be futuristic and all those things, but um, there's a long way to go with that one. However, there are basic things that we can do, like healthcare, agric, um, when you look at our banking system, security, there are a lot of things that we can apply AI to, and those are ways that I think would be exciting to look into. Yeah. 
I mean, I wanted like a specific sector that excites you and for you to, you know, give us insight. For example, if it's fintech, what's exactly within a fintech space do you think AI can be applied to make better? If it is agric, you, for example, made mention of scanning of leaves to give, you know, interpretation of what potentially could be wrong with the leaves. I'm just wondering which sector most excites you when you think about application of AI and if you can give us some specifics about what exactly is going on in that space. Okay, so I'll take three. Um, one would be um, AI generation, content generation, which is sort of like what Copianto, um, the kind of problem we are solving. You see, when you start a business, it's not just about the business. You need to sell the business and you need to generate and come up with content that is going to tell people what you do. And every day you need to generate content. It can be very time consuming and mm -hmm. Yes, and if you are not a professional writer, it's very difficult. Like we all know this, so AI um, can be applied to solve a problem like this, which is what we are doing at Copianto. I think it's a really good one because it can help any business scale dra drastically, and you don't need to um, spend a lot of time writing and all that. You know, it does the work for you. It helps you be more productive, super, and you can get from draft to done easily. The next, um, I would say, education. Mm -hmm. Because, like, example, if we look at our space here, and uh, access to knowledge is not that simple, though probably we think it is. Um, those days you have to go to the library before you can learn. Then Google came. But even with Google, and sometimes finding the right information, um, we see people go online and then they can find some information that is not really true. Um, because if you take something like Wikipedia, right, you know people upload things on Wikipedia. So sometimes we want to fact check some of those things. It's really good um, for um, referencing. But I think um, education will be a good sector for AI because it can help people really learn a lot of things. Like um, I can research on a lot of things really like without spending so much time. Yeah, and I think if I was still a student, one of the things I'd be very excited about would be um, education for AI. And then the last thing would be healthcare. Yeah, um, we don't need a lot of um, very heavy infrastructure to solve some of our problems, like what Chestify is doing. I think they, they use just a simple mobile app. They scan like an X-ray, and it can really tell you what is wrong. And I think this would be a really good one. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that definitely is interesting. And I can't wait to test this Chestify, you know, um, thing. Now we we've spoken about use cases we've spoken about examples we've spoken about security and and all of that i think the last bit of the ai conversation that i want to get into is how do we start preparing people for an ai enabled future where does the education of the people what sort of courses should people start considering what like how can we enable this population of young people looking to break into you know the future looking to understand what the the next frontiers are how can we start training our young people to be future ready especially when it comes to ai because clearly it's not going anywhere it is not going anywhere it's going to only get better but if we want to play in that space just like you spoke about earlier we have to start training our people to be ready for that kind of future where do we even begin that conversation from yeah um i think you know sometimes it's very disappointing that um to this day there are people that probably have completed university or are in university and they don't know how to use excel and i was sometimes it's surprising but you can't really blame people it's just because probably we are not learning the right things you see and like you said i think it would be good f for us to start looking into that direction early and just for starters i would say we should start learning the basis you know um what what is ai generally what um, what's machine learning neural networks natural language processing robotics something that we can take really serious there are a lot of courses online that people can take on something like this and maybe we can pick up programming skills if we can and if we are able to yeah um also looking at data analysis you know some of those areas and then there are a lot of communities in ghana like um, maybe gdg um yeah and then there's uh, i think ghana tech club 
um, iSpace, there's also um, the Meltwater Entrepreneur School of Technology. All these are communities that are really doing a lot and always usually organize events, conferences. I think we should participate in some of these things and know what's happening. We should be part of something that um, greater that's going to happen. Yeah. The, when you speak, I, I get the sense that it's, it's a shift that needs to happen, like a very monumental shift that needs to happen. And sometimes what worries me is whether we as a community of people are actually ready for that kind of shift because it's it's almost like erasing everything and and starting from scratch you know i mean in uni i was doing photocopies of notes now it would be absurd for any lecturer to think that it's okay to get students to photocopy notes it, it it's it's difficult to perceive that as something that a progressive educationist thinks about. Yeah. And when I think about that, it's, it's like you're erasing everything and you're sort of building the blocks all over again. You know, and and I, I can imagine how scary that would be from a policy standpoint. But from what you're saying, it looks like we don't have a choice. We have to do that. Yeah. Um, I... I didn't think I would ever be the one to say this, but I'm sure there are a lot of people, even in this country, that really feel like, okay, our educational system is not really helping. So I think you are right. There are a lot of changes that we really need to do. Why are we still learning some things that we probably don't need? Okay, and I think we should really be thinking ahead than learning things because we have to know them, right? We should learn things that will really help us develop as a country. So um, the framework, fundamentals, um, our sector, education in general is something that I feel like should be looked at, yeah. But I don't know where and how to look at it, but I know there are people that know how to go about it, yeah. I, I want you to take a second and, and speak to parents because, they, I mean, at the end of the day, it's their children who are going to get into these spaces. And like I said, it's a very scary prospect, but it's a prospect that we need to face now because on one side, the parents are afraid of losing jobs. On another side, they are afraid that their children are not getting a good enough education and therefore might not have work to do in the future. So I want you to speak to parents. Yeah, so um, for parents, I know the future of your what your children is very important. Um, I would say that if you can, you should really help them to do a lot more than just what they learn in school. I'm sure there are a lot of robotic clubs. Now there are organizations helping kids, children to code. Yeah, I would say give them the support, help them to get into that space. You know, one of the the things that would be very sad and disappointing is not knowing about something, um, not knowing the potential. I think a lot of people didn't get the opportunity to know about um some potential that's there, just because they didn't know about it, they didn't have that information. But now, um, as a parent, you can give your child that potential and you can expose them to some of these things that potentially could change something. Yeah. Some, some people say it's easier said than done, but at least at least we've said it. And, you know, it, it needs to be done at some point. I just wanted to take closing remarks from you, especially on how people once again can get onto the Copianto, you know, platform. At least you've given us a better understanding of artificial intelligence as various users. And clearly, Copianto is one of such users. So how can people access it? Once again, walk us through how people can actually use it and, you know, how they can get in touch with the team if they have any questions. Well, yeah, sure thing. So um, on your phone or your laptop your computer you just open your web browser which is like google chrome or safari and you in your url bar where you type the address and you can just type copianto um, dot ai which is c-o-p-i-a-n-t-o dot ai once you go there you can just sign up you create an account you don't need to pay and then you can start using it it's really that simple yeah so, I, I think i should have asked this in a bit where did the name come from 
<laughs> the name Kopiando, where did it come? That's a very interesting. I think nobody has really asked this before. Yeah. But Kopiando is a local um, slang in Ghana. You know, when you're in school and somebody's copying somebody's work, you know, and we, we can call you Kopiando. Mm -hmm. Just don't copy too much. So, um, Kopiando. Because it's an AI that's helping you to come up with something, to copy something, to be faster, you know, copy and to, that's it. <laughs> well, if, if, if that name doesn't stick, I don't know what else, else would. It's something that we've been, like it's a, it's a slang we've been using for far too long. And I'm guessing that is, you know, the, how it resonates, you know, with people. I'm guessing it's one of the reasons why the team chose it. Tim, thank you so much um, for making time to walk us through um, AI uses and, and, and everything else. I think it's been really, really been beneficial and I hope the listeners have also picked up a thing or two. Well, listeners, this is where we draw um, the curtain down on, on the show. Um, for me, it's been eye-opening and um, I think it also has helped us to potentially answer a couple of questions that we may have had um, when, when it comes to um, artificial intelligence. So please arm yourself with knowledge and apply the knowledge. Um, there are things for parents, there are things for students, there are things for um, children as well. And there's also something for the government, responsibility on the part of government that they, they need to take. But remember, this is City Trends, and a pleasure coming your way. And City Trends is indeed sponsored by ALX. Now, ALX is an African leadership group initiative um, that seeks to create a diverse pool of talent in the technology sector. ALX is at the forefront of providing cutting-edge Silicon Valley training to young professionals, equipping them with the most in-demand skills of the future. Yes, indeed, you can be a part of this. And all you need to do to start off your journey um, within the tech space is by visiting alxafrica.com. That is alxafrica.com. You can be part of this and you can definitely apply yourself as well but remember that um if this is something that is up your street just simply log on to the website alxafrica.com my name is philip Oshon. once again a big thank you to the production team for making this possible remember that the show will be available as a podcast first thing tomorrow so please look out for it but then till next week stay techie